Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you're staying well and keeping safe, getting your jabs and doing all those good things that will get us back out and loving life to its fullest extent. And we are back once again with another review of the SWPL action, but we don't have just one division, we have two to talk about this. Uh, this well, this first podcast of the week, we're going to try and do two a week uh, to shine a light on SWPL2, but for this first one of this week, it's going to be SWPL1 and SWPL2 because we had the final day of the SWPL1 season and the recommencement of SWPL2. And of course, to join me to chat about all these things is none other than Campbell Finnis. And Campbell, how are you doing? I'm very good, Chris. Yes, been keeping busy. And then you've done an intro without me in a tit of it, so it's a great start. <laughs> so it's going better. It's because the arms are fully going as we're speaking, so that keeps me, <laughs> keeps me right. Right, anyway, let's get straight into it because this is probably going to be a long one with two... Nine games to get through, and we've also got a Scotland International coming up uh, on Thursday as well, so we'll have a wee touch on that. So let's start at the very top. SWPL1, Glasgow City against Rangers. Uh, obviously, all the games in SWPL1 on Sunday kicked off at the same time, so you had Glasgow City Rangers and Motherwell Celtic, the two games that would decide the destiny of the title. And I think, Campbell, it's probably fair to say that uh, kind of, I think it probably went how we expected it to go. Um, Celtic obviously got Goals quickly. There was a bit of a curveball for Celtic just before the game. Um, somebody tested positive on COVID and they then had to put another six squad members into self-isolation. But, I mean, Celtic have rotated their squad pretty much throughout this kind of second chunk of the season um, and it didn't really derail them. They went went 2-0 up in Motherwell pretty quickly and then obviously sort of victory. But it was kind of didn't matter because Glasgow City got the victory over Rangers. Um it kind of it looked for a little, 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 little while that we're going to have something really exciting, but I think it petered out quite quickly on Sunday once Glasgow City got that one go up. I mean, can I get the notifications coming through as Celtic were just rattling the goals in early as we, we thought they probably would? Um, there still wasn't really that feeling of, oh, hang on, they've got a chance here, unless Rangers were on his goal. And obviously, the minute City's first goal went in, there was just kind of that feeling of, oh, well, that's it done. And that was no, no disrespect to Rangers, but. For a team that's not really had had the greatest the greatest of times against City and Celtic this season, kind of always the one way that was going to go, and then obviously a second goal fairly soon after, and it seemed pretty comfortable for Glasgow City to go on and to win the title yet again. It meant quite a lot to them, obviously, as you saw um, from players and staff alike at the end of the game, and um, it's good that even after all these years of winning, it still means just as much to them. And it's been a challenge, of course, it has. It's been tighter than they would have would have expected, would have faced face sorry in previous years. And a lot of credit deserves should go to Celtic, of course, for their run. I mean, what was it, 12 wins out of 13 or something like that to end of the season with only drop points being against City. So they've given it their best shot. And obviously, as you've said, especially a team, um, a second string team, if you want to call it that, with so many players missing. But ultimately, Glasgow City were too strong for them. And it's a very solid win and professional performance to end the season for them. And congratulations to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's dive into the City game first of all, because that was the game I was at on Sunday. Um, and then I think we will definitely definitely talk about Mother uh, Celtic and the achievement that Celtic have done in terms of reaching the Champions League. But yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the game on Sunday is I thought for the first 10-15 minutes, Rangers looked like the team that were maybe on top. They had didn't create much, but they seemed to be kind of pushing City back a bit further. But then 13 minutes in, I think by this point Celtic were 2-0 up on Motherwell. I had had kind of dual screens going on, so it's laptop on and try to watch the tail at the same time. Capacity, well, I say capacity crowd, a sellout crowd at Broadwood as well. So there was some proper noise um, on Sunday, which was good to hear as well. Um, and yeah, uh, Hayley Lauder kind of released inside the box and she kind of puts it in her third goal in three games um, for, for Glasgow City. Uh, Megan Cunningham probably could have done better. 
uh, in terms of stopping that Campbell. But yeah, I mean, when that first goal went in, you just kind of felt a decompression from anybody who was supporting Glasgow City or who was involved with Glasgow City. Um, and then the game kind of went like it usually does uh, with Glasgow City and Rangers, with obviously that exception. Um, uh, Rangers, again, didn't, didn't really trouble the Alexander that much. I think any kind of any, anything but kind of cross balls that she kind of dealt with. But there was um, a second goal just after the half hour. Neil Farrelly getting on the end. Another player who's maybe coming to the team in the back end of the season. I think we've talked about squad depth. Though. I think it has been the key in this this title in Champions League race in terms of this, um, how the teams have maybe finished the season. But Neil Farrelly, another player who's come in and hit, hit form. I've been really impressed with Neil Farrelly. Actually, I think she's a she's a very good player in that midfield. I know she gets. This is a defender for Ireland, but I think in midfield she's very good. And Rangers caught with the hands in the air. One of my pet hates of any football team. If it's offside, the, the linesman will flag it. They're not going to flag it any quicker if everybody stops. Not and turn all up. And to be honest with you, Campbell, see from then on in, it was a bit of a coast. The second half was was not much that much to talk about. But yeah, I mean, Glasgow City have got the job done. I think the the only points they have dropped, obviously, against uh, the, the the other. Contenders in the title race has obviously been a couple of draws with Celtic, but that's how you win the title is by beating beating teams quite comfortably in these big games. It hasn't been we've said that throughout the season that City have got that mentality, and even with with a lot of new players in there, obviously you've mentioned some of them, but that core of players, your Lee Alexander, Haley Lauder, Leanne Crichton, Joe Love, Leanne Ross, they've all been there for all these years, and they'll and even if they're not always playing, they can help sort of guide the team through it, and there's. They're a squad full of winners, Glasgow City. So when it comes to these games, they know how to they know how to win them. Scott Booth is obviously a very good manager for it as well for that kind of for that mentality there. That Rangers, as we said, have got a very good side. But when it comes to these big games, you just sometimes feel City have got that mental advantage, and it, it certainly paid off for them over the season. Even Celtic, to an extent as well. Um, we've always pointed out where Rangers will beat the teams comfortable in the bottom end. Celtic will win these big games, but City do both. And that is why they've been top of the table and ahead of the, ahead of the other two. So it was perhaps expected a wee bit on Sunday. But um, do well what goals from City's point of view. From Rangers' point of view, they'll be disappointed. I mean, first one say it's, it's a very good move and Hayley Lauder does the right thing, going low and across the keeper. But I think Cunningham will be disappointed. Um, and then the second one is just... It's, it's poor. <laughs> As you say, Neve Farrelly's left kind of unmarked, what, eight yards out for goal. So... Poor from Rangers' point of view, but for City to get a two-goal cushion inside half an hour, it, it, it kind of made them comfortable. A bit like the game even um, at Rangers training centre last month as well. So, aye, it was you get these goals and it, it sets it up well. And as you say, the second half they didn't really have much else to do, but a good win and a positive, obviously, performance. Obviously, to end the season with winning the title as well for them. Yeah, absolutely. And after the game, I spoke to one of those goal scorers and one of the players who has won many titles with Glasgow City, Hayley Lauder, and this is what she had to say. Hayley, champions again, how does it feel? Feels good. Um, I think after our little blip in December, I think we came back through the lockdown and we were just on it as a club from Laura and Cass, Scott and the staff and then the players. I think we just pushed each other and got the best out of each other. And um, Obviously a draw was enough today, but we wanted to come out and show that we were a team chasing a, a league title and I think they showed that. Yeah, you've mentioned that kind of blip in December. It definitely felt like after that December blip though, you got some new faces in and kind of pretty much from when the season eventually came back in March, it kind of felt like you, you all had one thing in mind. Yeah, definitely. That's what this club's all about. If, if you want to come and play here, you know, you, ha you have to expect pressure and we want to win things and 
the girls that came in bought into the club straight away and um, yeah, fantastic additions and I think just really complemented each other as a squad and I think that's shown in the last sort of the games leading up to this one. Uh, speaking about today's game, obviously you needed to get at least a point, uh, getting a goal after 30 minutes as yourself. I think 3-3 three and three in, the, in the running, that's pretty pretty good going after a, a dry season, because I remember when you scored your first, I didn't believe that hadn't happened yet. I know, I was absolutely pathetic for a lot of season. I've just struggled <laughs> with injuries, and then obviously when the games are sort of Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, you don't have time to kind of get yourself any better. You're, just, you're missing three games in one week, so it's been a frustrating season personally, but um, obviously to top it off today with a goal and... Um, to to lift that trophy again, that means more than any individual sort what, of accolade. What did that second half feel like? Because it felt like everybody, because I think Rangers knew at that point they were definitely, the Champions League was gone, you yeah. knew that that would be enough. The second half just kind of felt like it was 45 minutes to get to, to the end point. Yeah, we spoke about it at half time. We, we just said that we didn't want, to, we didn't want it to like fizzle out. We, we did think that we could go and score more as well as being respectful and cautious because obviously Rangers are, are a, great type, a great team and um, it just kind of did fizzle out. but. Ideal to know. We're delighted. What are you doing now then? Um, I'm going to have a good few beers and then just rest up. I, I think we'll get a good break this summer because we kind of had a lot of individual programs to do over lockdown and and then we trained hard while we we're here. So I think there's a few broken bodies, but um, it's all worth it for days like this. Campbell, you, we, you mentioned experience, and also Haley's one of the, the most experienced players in that city squad, likes of Joe Love and Lee Alexander, um, Leanne Ross, of course, Leanne Crichton, all, all been over the course. I think there was a photo that did around the five of them in the trophy, I think, between them. I think they probably won 50 plus if you add all their, their individual accolades together. But there were a number of players in that squad that haven't gone over that course before. And th there's a couple of that I want, to, want to call out. I think. In terms of the, the, the recruitment, I think Odi Fulatudula and Priscilla Chinchia, that what they brought up top in that second half of the season has really made a difference for, for Glasgow City. But I also want to shout out Lauren Davidson and Jenna Clark. I thought Lauren Davidson, I think we both were a bit surprised when she moved to Glasgow City. It felt like she'd maybe got a little bit lost at Hibs. She wasn't really getting much game time. But in this second part of the season, she's been a starter for City and been really good. And Jenna Clark's obviously had to come in for Arn Asgrim's daughter, who's, who's gone back to Iceland. And I think Jenna's also really stepped up and having a player like Janine Van Rijk has, has obviously really helped her game as well and it's whether it's whoever wins the title it's always good to see Scottish players doing well and amongst that especially up and comers like Jenna and Jenna and Lauren Yeah I mean Jenna Fye, uh, Jenna, Jenna Fye, sorry Jenna Clark um, in particular is a she was one of these players at City where a few years ago when they had a small squad was kind of in that sort of sort of play, the group of players were like herself Megan Foley Maureen Cunningham Jordan McClinton these sort of players that you always thought, could they step up? Will they step up? Megan Foley's still very much a utility player um, for City. And then, of course, the other two I've mentioned are playing at the two teams um, toward two teams at the bottom end of the table. So for Jenna Clark to have stayed there and a lot of time just filling in at the back, whereas now, as you're saying, she's just come in and has been, has been a starter there and has shown, um, has shown why that she stayed at Glasgow City over these years. She's clearly highly rated there and you can see why. She's obviously, she's got that presence for a defender. She's probably the tallest player in the league, if not one of the tallest. So, it certainly helps, and when you're playing at a team at Glasgow City, of course, you're, you're going to be doing a bit less defending the other side, and it can help ease in, but she's, she's certainly been a player that stood out there. Um, Lauren Davidson is another one, as you mentioned, though, like we've, we've spoken about her before, that Hibs has maybe been a player that would put the ball in the net, but was never one that was going to go and get you like 15, 20 goals a season. Still perhaps not yet, but certainly stepped up at City, and 
it's kind of shown why that they've signed it. It was one that at the time I thought was maybe a wee bit strange, but she's clearly went on and she's proven something to Scott Booth that's getting her into the starting eleven, and if she's playing her part in the title as well, then you've got to be happy for her that it means that move from Hibs to City was certainly the right one for her. Yeah, absolutely. I think the recruitment team at City have done a, did a, an excellent job in the winter time. I think Scott Booth deserves credit for the way that these, particularly, I think particularly Lauren has almost turned turned our last couple of seasons around uh, with Glasgow City. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Glasgow City, fourteen titles in a row. It's an incredible achievement, no matter which level of sport you're playing at. To win fourteen titles in a row is Pretty, pretty impressive to get. You can just have a look at the men's game and see what's happened with the men's game and how quickly that seemed to have all unraveled to just understand how impressive that is for, for City to do that. <laughs> yes. Um, I know it's there's been plenty of seasons where there's been, you could kind of tell that it was going to be it's almost a, not a procession, but you knew City were the strongest team, whereas previous years, Hibs have given them a real challenge and obviously Celtic last season were close. Celtic Rangers this season again have stepped up and really made it tough for City and the fact that they were always on their tail they went dropping points against the other sides kind of around them or below them in the table and it's made it tough but again as we're saying City, City have shown why they're so good there and some of the players they're bringing in not just obviously in Scotland now but from all across the world it's, it's certainly positive for them and it's, as you say it's a remarkable achievement to win 14 titles in a row anywhere and it's not going to be easy of course it's going to get tougher and tougher but Celtic and Rangers are going to improve each year but I'm sure City will be up to the challenge and they'll certainly be up there again come next season. Yeah, they absolutely will. Um, I don't really feel like this is a conversation to have too much chat about Rangers, but I think a couple of things uh, are worth noting. Prior to the game, Claire Gemmell uh, was kind of got a presentation, Stuart Robertson, the Rangers Chief Executive, and Leanne Ross. Uh, I think it was like a, a plaque, a plaque I couldn't see from where it was. There was a bottle of champagne, I saw that. Um, but um, I thought it was a really lovely touch. Uh, everybody in the stands gave a, a round of applause. And I think we, we, we touched on this already, like seeing legends of the game like that, of the women's game in Scotland, and it's, you say legends of the women's game in Scotland, but there is like, if it was a different time, if this was 20 years down the line, I think the fanfare of a player like Claire stepping aside would, would have been even greater, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was one that kind of crept up in a lot of thought. I don't know if you already knew about it until obviously um, the Motherwell game the other week there, but to be a player that has been at Rangers for so many years and even with all the upheaval in previous seasons, we've seen the amount of players that have left. For Claire to still be there, still be the club captain and, and still be so highly regarded by everyone at the club and to play her part in what's been a positive season for Rangers, despite the end, it's, it's certainly been an improvement on previous years and the club will be taking a step in the right direction there. So it's great to see that she's been there for all that time, as we're saying, and it's obviously getting a good enough send-off now with the fans allowed back into the stadium. It's maybe not what you, what you would want, but it's for, for her, she would maybe not want, sorry, but it's certainly good to see and I wish her all the best outside her football career. Absolutely. Then I, I think she maybe still will pop, pop up at Rangers every now and again, I get the feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, not really time to talk about Rangers, but their season's come down to these big games. They've played six of them, lost five, and they've scored the most goals in the league, conceded the least, but they've ended up eight points behind Glasgow City and that's that's really where their season's come undone. But we won't dwell on that and let's talk about Celtic because Celtic have finished second and secured Champions League football. Um, a very comfortable 8-0 victory against Motherwell. I think we were both expecting it. I don't think there's too much to say about the game because it was pretty routine once once they got that couple up. I think they got four up very quickly. And you thought if Rangers could get a goal, it might get interesting. But uh, Celtic kept their foot in the pedal. And I think that's, that's a great achievement for Celtic. I think they were probably viewed as the third team of the three for most of the season by 
by a lot of people, I think we've probably even leaned on that prior to this. Let's be honest, it's no point in sugarcoating that we've probably said that a couple of times as well. But I think we've said it particularly in the, in the in the last few weeks and and in the big games, they have that they do have an intangible quality that has seen them secure their second spot. I said Glasgow City would finish outside the top two, so I mean that's why you don't listen to us. But um, Celtic are a, a team that at the start of the season was kind of. They were bringing in new players and had some that had obviously missed out on the season that never really was. And there was that fear of maybe it's going to take them a while to jail, and it did. But, I mean, points like the, the Forfer game, of course, Forfer were a much improved side back then when was able to drop points. Don't look back on with maybe a wee bit of disappointment there, but we've seen, especially after the break, where they've come in, they've got all these players there for a new squad again. They've jailed together really well and they've, they've been fantastic. So they've been a really good side to watch on their day. And um, Sunday's another example of that. Again, all the young players you've mentioned as well that were coming off the bench. Um, kind of enforced, but they've, they've been doing that throughout the season as well. Obviously, like Tegan Bowie and um, Chloe Warrington and that as well, that have been there and getting plenty of game time. So it's good that Celtic will know they've not just got a strong squad at the minute, but they've got these players and that scope to, to look forward to the future. So it's been a good season for Celtic. They'll be very pleased to finish second to get the Champions League as well. First time in their history, of course, is, is, is fantastic for them. So it's it's a lot of a lot of things to be excited about at Celtic. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how themselves and City maybe balance European football and um and the league if they get quite far into it. Whether that'll help Rangers, I don't know, but there's there's certainly nothing to be negative about for Celtic at the minute, and they'll be delighted with with this season as well. I'm just always delighted by Fran's white jacket and t-shirt choice at the moment. To be honest with you, and do you know what? Like anytime you speak to Fran, you can just tell he loves doing what he's doing at the moment, and that's infectious. And I'm sure that's. That's rubbing off on the players. I saw that Kiva Kieran's obviously uh, left the club. I think today, the day of recording. But I also think that Celtic's recruitment over over the winter was was good as well. Obviously, Summer Green left, and she I think was one of the kind of standouts for Celtic in that first part of the season. But Sarah Teagarden returned to fitness, and then I, I think a player that you've talked about, Campbell, before as well, um, Anna Philby's coming and made a made a real difference. Um, and then obviously they've had the likes of bringing in Wanda Pollard, who got a first goal for Celtic in that that victory as well. They 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 seem to get the blend right at the moment in terms of bringing in the young talent, but also pick, cherry picking a couple of players that can add a bit of quality to the squad. I've done, I mean, London Pollard was a player at, at Forfar that you yourself were kind of intrigued to see how she'd go on at maybe a bigger club where she can kind of get more on the ball. It's tough for anyone when you're playing as a lone striker at a team that's, that's not got much of the ball, especially at that age at Forfar, but she's She's done well in it coming. It'll, it'll be good for her to get that first goal at Celtic to kind of build that confidence there as well. And from the whole team in general, really with Celtic, they've they've impressed like all over the part. I mean, we're constantly told by a friend of ours that Chloe Logan is um, the best goalkeeper in Scotland, and there's plenty of time where she'll prove it. But she's not the only one. Obviously, they've got a very good sub goalkeeper there, and Rachel Johnson as well. Celtic, and the fact they've been able to change between their goalkeepers as well as everyone else on the pitch and still look as impressive as they have done. Is really really good for Celtic, and we said it's a young squad, but that's good. There's Anna Philby's obviously left Tottenham that maybe hope she'll join Celtic permanently. Sarah Teagan as well, um, course get married over the weekend, so congratulations to her as well. Um, but these are players that have really impressed. Lisa Robertson, as we said before we started recording, seems to be man of the match and well, player of the match. Sorry, and um, nominated for player of the month almost every time we look. So I mean, she's really impressed as well. We've been also get experience in the league and with the national team so it come back has been really good for them as well and then again at the back the likes of um, Chloe Craig and Kelly Clark obviously Chloe Craig reaching 200 games a few weeks ago 
as well as some of the players they've brought in. Again, they've got a real solid spine to the team Celtic that then allows them to play these young players. So there's there's really, really a lot to be positive about for Celtic for next season. And I'd like to see them continue continue their form that's been so been so impressive at the end of this season. Yeah, I think I think we're expect I think we're definitely expecting the top three. And I think Hibs obviously made some signings ahead of the, the new season as well. We're just going to come on to those games in a moment. So yeah, I'm very, very excited to see what August brings in terms of players in and out of the league. But uh, there was obviously a couple of other things to be decided. Um, fourth place was up for grabs uh, with Spartans two points clear of Hibs, uh, knowing that victory would be needed because of the goal difference uh, as, as it stood. Um, Hibs did their side of the bargain, uh, a 7 7 0 win against 4 for Farmington. Just the 4 for Farmington was running at the end of the season. It uh, wasn't great. And obviously, uh, today the news is that Kevin McGresson stepped down to continue his, his globe trotting. Uh, Kevin was always good for a wee chat. Kevin had some good stories and he's in the way off to Mexico. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think. He obviously had to come in after Ryan stepped away. That whole squad has been changed over so much. We had a couple more retirees, Nicola Davison and Alana Bruce, obviously. Uh, that was our last game for Hibs uh, at the weekend as well. But Not for Hibs, sorry, for, for, for Farmington um, at the weekend as well. But for Hibs, um, fourth place, uh, goals from Amy Gallagher, Ailey Adams, Ellis Notley, Siobhan. I mean, there were seven different scorers as well. One of them being Rosie Livingston, who scored in only her second appearance for Hibs as well. So that, that youth... That youth academy that has brought through so many players in the past, starting to take over a little bit more. Obviously, Ailey Adams has been maybe one of the kind of standout youngsters in, in the league this season as well. But yeah, seven and one for Hibs secures a fourth spot for them. Yeah, we've questioned Hibs obviously a few times this season where we always talk about the changes that have happened and to have a young squad that haven't come through. And you've seen it at the start of the season, maybe they struggled a wee bit. But especially in recent weeks, that, that's, um, that's picked up and they have improved. And given the distance they were behind Spartans and the fact that their games with Spartans were maybe not at the races sometimes, to um, to be able to come back and to take fourth place, obviously, in the last day, it will feel really good for Hibs. And I know it's maybe not the level they've been at before, but with changes at other clubs, it was never going to be easy to, to break into the top three. So for Hibs, it's, it's been a positive season, I suppose, really, when you look at it. They'll have stuff to work on, they'll know that themselves, but... It's a season together with a squad that's been quite a fairly new team. Um, they've had players out missing as well. Obviously, Charlotte Potts then went away uh, down south. So they've had some important players missing, but take them on and take fourth place, so they'll be positive. And it's it's good for them, obviously. It's a win we may be expected um, on Sunday. Again, as you've talked talked about four for them, it's, it's, it's tough for them, but Hibs still had to go and do the job and they did it very well and fourth place obviously has been secured now so a good end to the season for, for the high bees as well Yeah absolutely um, a 7-0 victory and that fourth place was secured because Spartans uh, who are playing Hearts at Orion um, drew one each but pretty madcap end to the game it didn't sound like it was um, it sounded like it was interesting and uh, somebody I know was uh, at the game kind of uh, watching it and covering it for somewhere else and he said it was pretty interesting and then again in the last Last moments or where kind of all the action happened. Obviously, um, um, Hearts going one off and looking like they're going to secure a victory to round out the season. I think Hearts have improved over the course of the season. They, they are still susceptible to maybe the odd bad result. But um, Warren Cunningham scoring a goal kind of into injury time looked like it was over there. But then Becky Galbraith, 10th goal of the season uh, to make it 1 1. Spartans will finish fifth. They'll be disappointed considering where they were. Uh, going into the final day and for Hearts it's kind of been a bit of a free hit 
I think they obviously started the season really poorly. They kind of grew into it. And now with two teams coming up, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do next season. Uh, and it'll be even more interesting because obviously the news is that Andy Kirk has left Hearts uh, as a women's and girls academy manager to go and take the job at Beacon City. So that'll be another vacancy that's available. And I'll be interested to see what happens at Hearts because obviously Hearts now promoted back into the, the Premiership in the men's game. Uh, it did feel like there's maybe for a wee while it kind of lost its way a little bit at Hearts, but when you speak to people there, they are very keen to kind of push it on. And we know that some of the people that are still there are keen to do that as well. Yeah, they're another team that we've talked about that have had a young a young squad and they've kind of had to adapt to it and they've been thrown in at the deep end a wee bit. It's, of course, COVID has not kind of helped anyone with the season, but there's been plenty of signs of improvement from Hearts. Even, I mean, against Hibs last week, we were there. They, they weren't ever really out of the game. Hibs were with a better side, yes, but Hearts, were, they were still in it. Um, and then again the weekend there, they're, they're making it tough for sides that Spartans twice now have had to score in the last minute to get something out of a game. Obviously they beat them the last time late on and then a draw um, on Sunday there. But the hope for Hearts is now that maybe it'll be some, I don't know whether they'll bring someone from within or from outside. There's obviously been a fair few applicants that we know of already. But there's definitely another, there's another team that's got things to be positive about ahead of the next season. Obviously losing Andy will be a bit disappointing, but... I'm sure the players will still be able to kind of be able to um, what's the word you can edit this bit out because I've lost what I'm talking about but they'll have a lot, a lot of things to be positive about in terms of going forward they'll know that they can play together they'll know each other's game a wee bit stronger than they have done previously and obviously with more teams coming up there's going to be more games against sides that are going to be competitive around them so it's going to make it more interesting for the sides. Like at that end of the table, your hearts, mother will fought for even Spartans, I suppose, to an extent. Um, when they're playing against some sides at Aberdeen, whoever else comes up, so it's good. It's going to make it exciting for next season. And Hearts, hopefully, will have someone in soon, as a lot of clubs seem to do. The odd teams obviously don't, but if they get a manager in soon and work with the side, have a good pre-season, then it'll be interesting to see where Hearts end up next year. So I say, like I say, it'll be very, very competitive in at the bottom end of SWPL one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Paul Brownlee's coming in to kind of take over at Motherwell, so it means there's at least three new managers in SWPL one sides next season. Obviously, we don't know what will happen in the coming weeks, but yeah, I think obviously for Spartans, fifth place, par, they, they would have been, as I say, disappointed not to get that. Bobby Beveridge, another player who was playing our, our last game um, on Sunday as well, so not to Bobby, best of luck in our retirement, whatever she decides to do next as well. But that wraps up the SWPL one season. Uh, Glasgow City finished top as champions, uh, Celtic second in the Champions League places, and uh, Rangers Lizzie Arnott was top goal scorer with 16 goals. I've managed to keep that spreadsheet up up to date throughout the entire season, so um, pat in the back to me. Um, there are some other kind of graphics and facts up on the, the Twitter feed, so just go have a wee look at them. But SWPL1 is, is done. We are finito with SWPL1. There is a player of the month. Go and have a wee look at that SWPL website. Uh, Priscilla Chinchilla, Lisa Robertson, Clyde Kavanagh and Michaela McAloney are all up for it. So whoever you're looking, what for you think is the best. But let's move away from SWPL1. We've talked about them loads over the last few weeks. And let's talk about something we've not talked about for a wee while, Campbell. SWPL2 is back this weekend. And it was, I think it was a... There's a pretty interesting weekend in terms of the results and obviously what happened. I think the, the most sensible thing to do is start where you are, where you were even, which is Dundee United against Kilmarnock up at the, the RPC. Um, do you want to talk us through the game? Yeah, I mean, after a real lack of sleep and what was an absolutely roasting day on Sunday, there was that fear of I might fall asleep during this first half, but instead 
Danny Knight and Kilmarnock served up the best 45 minutes of football I've seen at any level, anywhere in ages. It was really entertaining, but two sides, it maybe will be disappointed with their defending, but from a neutral's point of view, watching that, it was just a fantastic first half. I mean, United started well, had a couple of chances in the first minute or two. Um, Jane McLaren shot wide, and then Robert Smith really should have scored, but was twice thwarted by Lauren McGregor, who I'll come on to a bit as and how a fantastic game she had. And then Kelly came forward themselves a few times and then about a quarter an hour in, took the lead. Um, you know, United were disappointed with the, the fact it was just simply a long ball from Laura Neal that beat them, but Alex Middleton did very well to, to find their space there. And then the finish was just inch perfect as well to lob the ball over um, AJ Meech, who, for whatever reason, decided to run out or go was the best option. Um, good finish. And then there was that way where Kelly kind of took a bit of confidence from it. And you're thinking, oh, maybe they're going to go on and get another here. But instead, we're in five minutes, right? The level. Um, Rebecca Galt was sloppy in possession. And then Jade McLaren, who was quite impressive again for United, is one that maybe doesn't get as much credit for, for what she does with the ball, but certainly does a lot of dirty work. Did well there um, to get forward and play a nice one too with Danny McGinley, who then equalised. And then again, so Ben got a Tannoy announcement to go and get his car moved from the wrong car park. And then in the time he was away, missed. A great chance for Rebecca Goal, where she shot straight at the keeper. Then Kelly's second goal, which was controversial. I mean, at the time, there was a kind of complaint from a few people in Atkinson to Ben, is that a foul where, I mean, Holly Napier should just clear the ball. Instead, decides to pass to Aaron Ross on the edge of the box. And then she probably, again, should just get rid of it, but instead turns into Rebecca Goal. And there's that kind of way of maybe Aaron could just be stronger. The referee didn't give a foul. And then Alton put the ball in. Um, in the top corner for her second great finish of the afternoon. She was impressive for Kilmarnock. Um, I'm sure Erin will feel she's fouled. United were kind of a bit, or maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. You see it back and it probably is a foul, but at the time it's going, you can see why the referee's not giving it. So you kind of really have a go at him. And then straight after that, Lisa Swanson hit the bar. So in the five minutes that Ben disappeared, everything happened. And it looked a really good game. Again, it was still end to end. Despite the heat, neither side really looked like stopping. And then against a long ball when Lauren McGregor came out for it and Robin Smith has went for it and as you said yourself this afternoon when you're talking to me it didn't really look like it was going in and then just suddenly the ball just seemed to drop at the last second and was in the net right at half time and it was two each and it was just this is very good um, I had a lie down in the Dundee Sun which was needed and then the second half came and the second half United were with a better team they had, they had a lot more of the ball were Kelly M can early on a kind of half chance each. Abby Robinson had one for Kilmarnock and then but after that United were, were certainly the team on top. And Lauren McGregor made a couple of fantastic saves. There was one where Haley Cairn came on at half time and her shot looked destined for the top corner. Says to Ben as it was in the air, I went that's in. And instead Lauren is up and just somehow managed to get a fingertip on this ball. Tipped it on the post and it came down. There was kind of did that go in, but it didn't. There was a few people kind of watching from outside um, Care Park that could see it and were also questioning did the ball cross the line, but it didn't for it to go for a corner. Honestly, fantastic save. It should be up there um, at the end of the season awards whenever we get around to them. Um, but United were still the team there. Robert Smith had a chance. Laurie Ross came on, had a couple of chances. Um, there was one right at the end where both Pachi and Neve Ross, eh, Neve Guthrie, sorry, went for the ball about six yards out, booted each other, and Lauren McGregor claimed it. Kelly could have won it. Lauren Reside as well did well, get in behind, just put a good ball across the box, but there was no one gambling to tap it in, and in the end, it was a draw that was probably fair. United were maybe on top second half, and we'll, we'll feel they could have won it, but Kilmarnock as well certainly had the chances to go on and win the game, and 
they'll be happy with a point. United, I think, will take it given how they played, but at the same time, maybe slightly disappointed given it means it's up down the table. But from an entertainment point of view, it was a really good way to start SWPL2 back off again. And ah, it was just very nice to be at a game in the sun and watching some some cracking goals and some good entertainment. So a very enjoyable game um, in Dundee. Yeah, it's almost as if like watching games in the sun is good and summer football is a, a nice idea, but we won't we won't go down that that path just now. But um, yeah, I, I did I watched obviously watched the highlights earlier on today of uh, the the folk at the Ayrshire Film Co. Though I was slightly sad to see that the football shots music had been changed um, because everybody knows I fought for that. But yeah, I think for, for me the standout moment was Robin Smith head in hands thinking she'd blown a chance then the realisation that she hadn't and it had gone in uh, to make it two each but uh, good point for Kamarnik obviously given how the, the first part of their season went Dundee United are still I think I think there's going to be teams at that top of the table drop points kind of against each other and maybe against other teams in the league so yeah it's a, it sounds like you had a, a fun time and if you have a fun time that, that makes me happy Campbell so yeah uh, Good to hear it. After the game, you spoke to Rebecca Foote and uh, the commander duo of Andy Gardner and Michael McDougall, and this is what they had to say. Uh, I just spoke to Gav, obviously, as well, Rebecca. It was uh, a problem that faced a bit of disappointing result. What were your thoughts on, on the match as a whole? Yeah, it was frustrating. I thought we played well, but we kind of made their difficult for ourselves. All mistakes kind of gave the ball away too easily. Um, we had a lot of chances, but just not our day in front of the goal, I think, in terms of that. Obviously, as well, we said there, you're two goals down, twice behind, sorry, you had to come back in yeah. both times. What does that say about the resilience in this game? <clears throat> yeah, good. I think we work together and we know that's something that we need to do. Like We're going to lose goals at points, so we just need to pick ourselves up and go again. Um, it was good to get the goals back again. Uh, worked hard to get them, just obviously frustrating with the end result there. You were obviously playing um, left back yourself. It was kind of a makeshift defence almost. Do you think that kind of, it doesn't help United, obviously, that you're not playing maybe your strongest back line? Yeah, we've... Lost a couple of players today, but um, again, we just work together. Um, we all know what we've got to do, we've got a job, so dig deep. Quite turnaround, um, you're playing Stirling on Wednesday night, and it's a team you should be expected to beat there. What can you do differently from this afternoon? I think just a wee bit more composure on the ball, work together. I mean, we've not played a proper competitive game in about six months, so hopefully uh, after today, that's just kind of back in that momentum, and we just pick ourselves up and go again. That's a good point for you obviously this afternoon coming up here. There's a point maybe to lead twice, but what were your thoughts on the performance as a whole? I think for us, we spoke a lot after the last game when we lost 4-0. Um, a lot of people were aggrieved with the result. We felt as if it was a bit unfair in terms of how much we put into the game. And Having spoken to the girls, they've kind of came on leaps and bounds since that game at Rugby Park. And I think it was evident today um, in the quality to, to lead twice in the game. Already beat them in pre-season as well, albeit it was a pre-season game. So I think it was just building the confidence slowly but surely. Um, and we're delighted with the point. We'll, we'll definitely take the point because it gets us out of that kind of bottom uh, group of teams, and then we can now have an opportunity against Birmingham to open a four-point gap. You mentioned before the game, obviously the, the changing changing shape. Then it seemed to it seemed to work pretty well for you. Is that something you'll, you'll look to use going forward? Yeah, it's, it's something we've, we've been working on so that we can you know be adaptive and not always play that that same way that we've been playing for maybe two or three years. We've become a wee bit predictable. Um, played up here last time right here, a bit of success. First half of the day, I thought it was really successful, um, getting a couple of goals, conceding two that we maybe should have done better in, but first half was real positive, second half it didn't really turn up. But a lot of factors could have been the heat, everything else, but uh, a bit of tiredness, but for us to go from getting beat 4-0 to now coming and getting a, getting a point up here against a, a good side, don't take it away from them, they're not, they were in second for a reason, so uh, getting a good point and getting a lot of players on the pitch that haven't been on it for a while. Uh, 
a lot of players have been out injured, so going from here, we'll take a lot of confidence into Wednesday uh, against Boroughmuir, and then a, a big tough game against Patrick Thistle on Sunday, so we'll look at Boroughmuir, one game at a time over these these three weeks, and we'll look to open up that gap, because we don't want to be down at the bottom of the table, we're, we're better than that, so. You said plenty of chances obviously as well, this afternoon, took two very good goals, is that again another positive from what maybe not been there before the break? Absolutely, we've, we've spoken about this before, about how in the first 10, 11 games, whatever it was of the, the season, we weren't really creating anything and the ball wasn't sticking when it went up front. Now we've got that little bit of change of shape and a couple of additions um, and having Swanee back and stuff like that up there makes that difference and now we're putting away, we probably could have had another couple in the first half, Rebecca's had a really good chance that the keeper's pulled off a save. So Lauren's won at the end as well, yeah. you know, these are the small chances that you take in games that can turn it. If we can start creating chances like that in games that we weren't doing before, we're going to get more points than we'll lose, so uh, things are looking up, hopefully we can just get our run goal. First half was very open and you mentioned off the second half you were kind of maybe not quite on the ball as much, but again, what does that say about your side that even though maybe United had more of the ball, you were still kind of never really out of the game? I think we've always been defensively solid. I think if you probably look at Kelly, that's probably the DNA's built about being defensively solid as a team, catching teams on the counter. But I think we're now, with the players that we've brought in, we're starting to identify that we can now go and play the football that we want and be a wee bit more expansive, opened, and having two strikers up front makes such a difference no matter what level you play at. So it's been great for us and I just wish we could have maybe took that performance that we had in the first half into the second half because I really think it would have been a better maybe a more positive result Two very good finishes as well from Alex just how good is it to see um, other players there getting on the score sheet Alex is a top player um, she could pretty much play anywhere um, and she's always had that in her locker there's a reason why she played for Scotland there's a reason why she played for the, the old firm she's a top player and the type of finishes that you see today um, I think that's her fifth or sixth goal now including the pre-season games so um, she's a top, top player and I'm not surprised when she pulls them out because she does it in training every night. So yeah, uh, two each up at Care Park. Uh, and there was another game, uh, well, it was two games actually available to view, but one of them came literally five minutes before kickoff, which was useful because I had a bit of time to kill before the 10 past four kickoffs in SWPL1. So I caught the first half of Park Thistle against Birmingham Thistle at Lothburn Park, a place very close to young Campbell's heart. Um, as part of this, we made our debut at Maryhill Junior's Ground. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was all right game. Uh, Partick Thistle got an early goal. Uh, Claire Doherty, I think somebody I've said before, is one of the players that I really enjoy watching at this level. She's always busy. She always, she's always looking to try and get up the park, and she she opened the scoring. And um, from there, I mean, Birmingham Thistle did, started quite well. Thistle, they're both called Thistle, so this is going to get confusing. But... Um, Obviously, part of this, we brought in a couple of players. They brought in Harvin's head to goal. Sharon McCulloch's coming into defence as well. And Frey McDonald's coming from, on loan from Rangers. Um, I think there's another couple as well that have totally escaped me just now. But uh, to kind of get that, that goal early in the game, signal attack, I think there's a lot of people that think Thistle of the Partick variety um, <laughs> will, will definitely be still up there come the end of the season. And I think that was evidenced by their second goal from Sharon McCulloch, who... I think it's a really good sign for SWPL2 level coming in from Celtic. Um, she found herself in the in penalty, as she said, in the post-match afterwards, not usually her usual habitat, but she took it really well, um, putting the ball back into the opposite corner from where it came from, and then a clip for penalty, putting the 3-0 up just after half-time. And that was really that. Um, Burnley Thistle did get a goal back through Beth McLeod, but in terms of, for part of Thistle, that is the kind of result they want coming back after after that such a long layoff. Yeah, I mean, Thistle and United playing teams at the bottom end of the table, you were, they'd be looking at to hope to go in and pick up the three points here. Um, and obviously Thistle, Thistle managed to do that. And 
playing on grass will be different for them. I mean, these sides most of the time are playing on Astro. I mean, obviously, Barrymore have occasionally used grass pitches, but Lockburn looked in good nick. I know there's been getting work getting done. It was actually pretty decent. So it helped what was a good game of football from what I saw um, before kickoff on Dundee. It was. Partick Thistle did look quite impressive at times, but as you say, Boromir started actually fairly well in the game, and obviously when you concede a goal, it doesn't help going 3-0 down, it's maybe not great, but got themselves a good goal back. Um, and it's a win that Partick Thistle will be pleased with, though. It's kind of so many games to come, I don't think teams are really going to care how they get the three points as long as they do that. And Thistle for a game, as you say, for a new venue, um, it's quite a tight pitch compared to what they've been used to playing on. So they have to change their game a bit, but it worked. They've scored three goals and they've got three points and that will be all they can ask for. And in terms of us, they've obviously getting the stream, it was great. And then the highlights so soon after as well. So well done to Christopher and all the team at Pat of Thistle as well. So lots to be positive about um, and Mary Hill, as always. I heard the rumour that Mary Hill is wonderful, but I won't get into that. <laughs> but um, no, I think you're right, and you're absolutely right to point out the fact that highlights were available um, kind of straight away um, at night, which was always the case with part of this beforehand, so it's good to see that continuing. And I think, as we have said many times before, we always like the effort of putting the streams out there, so you know what, they put it out. Maybe, maybe a bit more notice would have been nice, but maybe it would have been something that just... Until they tried it, they didn't really know if they could or not. Um, so, yeah, great to see. I think you're right. I thought, Burham, you're but for that first half that I watched it live and then obviously watching the highlight, the, the rest of the game in highlight form. I thought Burham, you looked, looked pretty good. They, they didn't look overmatched or kind of out of their depth. It was just that part of Thistle took their chances um, earlier on. And I think having Anna Vincendi in goal for Thistle may, may be quite a good bit of business for them because she. She made a couple. Of, she'd be maybe a little bit disappointed with the, the goal that Beth McLeod scored. I think she probably should be kind of keeping that one out. But in the first half, when the game was tight, she kind of kept it at that nil nil until until Thistle scored. So yeah, um, uh, an important one for Thistle, and an important one because the league leaders started off the the weekend in SWPL two, um, taking on Stirling University, bottom of the table, one point from the, the opening ten games, and. It's just kind of business as usual for Aberdeen, uh, let's be honest. Uh, Bailey, Bailey Hutchinson got her 15th goal of the season, so she continued to score. Um, and there was also goals for uh, Bailey Collins, a double for Eva Thompson, Francesca Ogilvie and Jennifer Hemden, as, as long with her own goal. It was, um, it's almost as if Aberdeen hadn't been away. I haven't seen anything of this game. Have you seen anything of it, Campbell, though? No, I haven't, Chris, no. No. Um, yeah, so this is one thing that is a little bit frustrating we still can't see some of these games and when there's a captive audience, especially just now, um, and SWPL2 is the biggest show in town in Scottish women's football, it'd be good to see these to see highlights of this game. So we won't go too much into it, but what we will talk about is fact 7-0. I mean, if Aberdeen don't go up, even before that result, even if you had a little bit of doubt about whether or not they were going to come back in that same form, I mean, I think that blows it away. They were 6 and up at half-time. Aberdeen is just probably a matter of time for them, even now with so many games still to go. Yeah, I mean, I was on a part of this whole podcast last week talking about um, their side for return, and I was asked about that, and I says unless Aberdeen have got a sort of collapse of Falkirk proportions, which they don't look like they're going to do, then they will be the team that goes up as champions. Um, and again, it's maybe it's, 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 you're playing against a team at the bottom of the table, you'd expect to win. So to go and score seven goals out of play, though, they'll, they'll be happy with that. And it meant that they could then kind of think, right, well, if other teams drop points, it's us extending that gap again. And Aberdeen are a team that I've only seen on stream so far this season. That'll, I'll get across to them on Wednesday um, when they're down at Queen's Park. But they've looked impressive from what I have seen. And clearly, obviously, the points show that. They had the one game against Partick Thistle where no one really knows what happened for them to get hammered that day. But 
there are side that have impressed a lot of people um, in terms of getting to see it. Obviously, the the men's account was was treating that game as if it was like the men's side as well, so that was good to see. But we still like to be able to have highlights out with Red TV because we're not all Aberdeen fans. But at the end of the day, it's it's the football that matters, and it's a comfortable win for them, and it's one that really cements their place at the top. And they'll know if they can just focus on themselves, keep doing what they've got to do, then the title will surely be theirs in, in a matter of weeks. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think I think part of my frustration with the Aberdeen thing is the fact that they're they're an exciting team to watch. We've seen I've seen them a couple of times. I was at that part of this whole game, and yeah, they lost five one, and part of this will definitely deserve to win that day. But even in glimpses, they, Aberdeen looked really good, and then their game against Glasgow Women that I was at earlier. I think were you at that one as well potentially? No, mm-hmm. but they, their game against Glasgow Women uh, where they won one 0 and the, the goal they scored through Bill Hutchison was a, a wonderful bit of football. So. I think for me it's frustrating because I think they're quite an exciting team to watch and I could see people tuning in to, to watch them and the fact that you can't do that, it's not great. I mean, they're not going to be the only team to do this. Dundee United haven't had, didn't have anything out um, for that for that game. It was only because Kilmarnock had uh, the Usher Film Company up that we've got highlights for that one. So, yeah, let's keep a wee eye on it. But yeah, good result for Kilmarnock, uh, for, for Aberdeen and for Southern University. Uh, this feels like them, they might be set for a, a fourth or Farmington-esque run to, to round out their season at the moment. I think they'll be glad. No one's shown his highlights of the game. Um, it's been tough got the season for Stirling Uni. Of course, the whole premise of being a team that's relying on players from the university doesn't make it easy, of course it doesn't, but to have went from bottom of SWPL1 straight to bottom of SWPL2 and not really picking up any points at all, it's, it, it's tough. It's, it's going to be demoralising for the players, of course it is, and you're travelling all the way up to Aberdeen to face a side at the top of the table that's already got a seven-point gap to the team nearest to them. It's not going to be easy. And they would have, they would have, up there, of course, they would have had the feeling you're never going to win a game thinking, oh, we're going to lose. But it, it's not easy to go away a side like that. So it's, it's going to be a tough end of the season for them. But I just hope they can they can pick up some points. And, of course, they could with the amount of games that are going to be played. You just hope that they don't kind of, their seed doesn't peter out to nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you don't want to see... Teams cut adrift like that at the bottom of the table. It's not. It's not great for lots of reasons. But yeah, hopefully they, they can turn it around and they'll, they'll have games against teams kind of a little bit closer to them in the league as well. I think Aberdeen have shown that they can do that to kind of anybody in the league that, that this season. So it just so happens that that was one of those days um, for Aberdeen and for Southern University. But keeps them well clear at the top. Actually, so extends our lead at the top. Um, and let's move from Aberdeen to Hamilton Academical. We've moved into second place in the league. Uh, they were at home to Queen's Park, and obviously Aki's were one of the two sides to stream the games along with part of this. Um, Aki's always put their put the games out and very well heavily promote what they're doing, which we're a big fan of. We want to see the women's game promoted, so that, that's excellent. Uh, five and a win uh, against Queen's Park. Megan Quigley with the opener, and then a double from Josephine Giard. Kathleen McGovern, who if she's if she's if she's um, on it, she will score a lot of goals. I don't know where I was going with that at all. <laughs> she's on it. She will score a lot of those as level really came down from a corner. Uh, come to win for Hamilton and that, do you know what, that's probably what they need because I think in the period before Christmas time, they were still obviously in the promotion hunt, but it'd been a bit stuttering uh, for Hamilton in that, that opening phase of the season. What a part of loving for Hamilton is going to continue in the fact that they're giving us highlights and things, but if somebody want to complain, first goal, what happened to it? You could try to watch it and we couldn't see it. Because the camera wasn't quick enough and we missed what I, I'm going to say was a great end of Megan Quigley because it ended up in the net. But otherwise, I don't know. So I'll have a wee word to Hamilton for that one just to please everybody else. But 
on the pitch, it's it's a very good win for them. And again, I mean, from what I've heard of the game and the highlights I've seen, they were kind of ahead in the first half without really being great. But second half improved some some iffy defending from Queen's Park, certainly. But they, I mean, they had a good chance themselves at 0-0. I think it was Louisa Boyce, if I remember correctly, had a shot where just going to pick a corner and instead shot straight at the keeper. But from Anaki's point of view, they, they didn't play great at the start of the season. They said that themselves, but they've, they've made some impressive signings. Obviously, Josie Giard at this level is a fantastic one. Kathleen McGovern as well, of course, alone from Celtic. They've got players now in forward areas that you know are going to put the net in. MT Gardner is one that we often often praise the fact she's now then sitting on the bench. We've got players like that that can come on and start and score goals. It's certainly a positive for Hamilton. And I have a feeling that if they can really show the side that they can be and that they'll certainly be right up there at the top end of the table, they're, they're my pick for it. So I've probably jinxed them now. So look forward to them finishing fourth. But there's, there's certainly the chance Mavaki's um, going up if they're playing like they did on Sunday. And it was a very impressive result for, um, for Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, they are, they are one of the sides that have, have kind of boosted their squad again. Obviously, Josie and Giardi came in before the, the extended break, but Kath McGovern's come in. Uh, Rachel Neal came in just beforehand as well, and um, Hannah Scott is obviously coming as well. So they have they have brought they brought quality in for, for SWPL2 level. So, yeah, I, I think they, they will look to that as a, as a springboard. I mean, for Queen's Park, it's a bit... There's been a lot of chat about, obviously, the Queen's Park... Kind of men's team and the fact that the lesser hand and they're going to be playing it for a The women's team were playing at the, the building site for the first part of this season. That that's obviously now been then it's going to be Nether Craig's, um, we think. But we we will see what happens. Um, but it's, it's not. It must be difficult to kind of not have. I mean, women's football runs with a lot of uncertainty a lot of the time. To be perfectly honest with you, but. Um, given everything that's been going on at Queen's Park and all the positive values, it might have had a little bit of a trickle down to, to the women's team, who actually do do some, some pretty good social media stuff as well um, in the build up to games. They do. Um, obviously, the men's team was then announced to be training at Lockhenge. So you're then surely thinking, well, part of this will have used it. I noticed, obviously, there was some, some men's teams playing friendlies at the weekend as well. Surely Queen's Park women's side could use there as well, but I don't know, maybe maybe they will at some point, but for now, obviously, it'll be the grass and other craze on Wednesday night. Um, looking forward to seeing them. I mean, the last time I saw them was up, um, up in Perth against Johnson, who I think they've beaten previously, and then played them and lost, obviously, 3-0 um, in the McDermott Park fog, which was, it was tough for them. They didn't really get going that afternoon. They've all looked to improve. And it's, it's tough for them. I mean, obviously, Neil Rotted side, you then compare that to Aberdeen, who were also promoted and are running away with the thing. But Queen's Park have shown signs. It's obviously it's not easy, as you say, when you're kind of moving from venue to venue. But you, you have hope for them that there, there'll be something to come from the season. And again, it's like we said, we're still in there. We've so many games to play. Teams are going to take points off each other. And Queen's Park are not an easy side to play. As I said to you, they had, they had some chances early on against Ackies. So there's definitely the chance um, that that will continue against some other sides. And you just hope that it becomes that way where they're not going on and, um, and just losing games. We, we don't want that with anyone, of course, do we? But it is what it is. So hopefully there's, there's some some positivity to come from Queen's. And like you said, what happens at the men's team it filters down towards the women's one. And just as I'm talking, I'm trying to read through and realise I'm talking utter nonsense about them losing. They beat St. Johnson, they lost in Perth and then lost in Glasgow a couple of weeks later. So again... Don't listen to me. 
<laughs> okay, well, we'll listen to you. We'll move on to the final game, um, which was St. Johnson against Glasgow Women. Uh, I just had to wee double check just to make sure before I say it that nothing has gone out, but I haven't seen any highlights for this one. But uh, St. Johnson went 1 0 up through Rachel Todd after 21 minutes. And then a Rose McCollum hat trick, another player from Rangers out on loan. Um, I think that's her first senior hat trick. Gets a, it's a really good result for Glasgow Women to go up to Perth and get that 3 1 victory against, obviously, a side who were just above them in the table going into that game. Having words with our friends at the women's football show, Chris, shouldn't we? I mean, these the lack of highlights is an absolute disgrace, Joycey. So we'll go and sort that one out. Um, but in terms of on the pitch, again, they've obviously going to go down to St. Johnson's side. That are, they're a good team. They play some good football. They were ahead, obviously. Glasgow women in the table went still have aspirations themselves of chasing them that second promotion spot. So to go up there, cover my goal down to then win the game with three goals and do be pleased with that. It's, it's like it's not an easy place to go and. Obviously, they beat them. Um, that was the last game before before the break. It was the 2-0 win they at New Tinto, which was a game again. It was pretty even, but Glasgow, when, when they got on the ball and really showed what they can do, they did do. And I think Sunday was, what I've been told again, was more a case of that. So, a very good win for them. Um, well done to Rosie as well, obviously getting a hat-trick. It's certainly the best way to kind of settle into a new team, isn't it? So, a very good win for Glasgow women and... Again, they're one of these sides that sort of maybe in a bit of limbo of they're not going to be in the bottom end of the table, but maybe promotion slightly out of reach for them. So they can play with that freedom and hopefully we can see some good football there because we know they've got a really good squad. We've picked up plenty of their players before um, and mentioned just how good they can be. And if they can show that, I'm sure they'll be a team that will, will cause problems to these sides that have got the aspirations for promotion um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that the, the same will apply to St. Johnson um, up at McDermott Park as well. But yeah, let's uh, move on. There is midweek fixture. So we're recording this on Tuesday night. There's games tomorrow night, Wednesday. Um, Queen's Park are at home to Aberdeen, as Campbell's mentioned. That's very serious heading. Stirling University are playing Dundee United. Uh, Glasgow women are playing Hamilton Ackies at Greenfield Park, home of the artist formerly known as Shettleson Juniors, now known Glasgow United. Um, St. Johnson are playing Perth at Thistle and Kelly are playing Barramuir Thistle. I don't think I'm going to get a game tomorrow because of work commitments. So I will be on the scout for hundreds of highlights um, on Wednesday night and Thursday during the day before we do our second podcast of the week, which will be solely about SWPL2. So um, you've got that to look forward to. Um, we've nearly been banging on for about an hour, so we're going to wrap up very quickly. But before we do that, the women's national team are obviously playing on Thursday, uh, friendly against Northern Ireland. Um, well, we've been talking about coverage, so let's, let's just carry on with that. I can't see it anywhere advertised at the moment. It might appear, but at the moment, two days before the game, there isn't isn't anything out there. Um, if, if it happens and we can see it, we'll obviously talk about it. But I mean, being able to see it is the most important thing. First of all, Campbell. As I mean, they can it would be forgiven a bit for obviously the Euros are going to be taking take up a lot of the time in the BBC and ITV and what have you. So BBC obviously usually got the games in Ireland, but maybe they'll still send people out to cover these games. I don't know. At the end of the day, they're only friendlies and we're a side that's still not got a manager. So I can see why they won't pick them, but it is disappointing because it means we can't talk about it. But it's a chance for what's an experimental Scotland squad to get minutes into these players and see if some of them can then be chosen again when it comes to the, the qualifying games, um, obviously later on in the year. But two exciting games against two near neighbours and hopefully Scotland can, can, can get back to winning ways after sort of the, the disappointing end to the qualifying campaign for um, next year's Euros. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to be fair, BBC, I think they usually pick up the, the host broadcaster and then kind of put that out. I, I just assumed that it was going to be on because BBC Northern Ireland usually do get their, their women's games out. And the same with um, BBC Wales. I haven't seen anything about that one next week either. So if it happens, we'll obviously pop it out. But hopefully, as you say, Campbell, um, some positive results for, for Scotland in those games. 
And if we get to see them, we'll talk about them. If we don't get to see them, we'll still talk about them, but we just can't talk about them as much, um, unfortunately. But I think that will wrap it up just now for this week. Well, not this week, for this podcast, because there'll be another one this week. But um, Campbell, thank you much as always for coming on, buddy. Yep, cheers, Chris. No worries. And thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we will speak again soon.